Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the Word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn, but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening and may God bless you abundantly. This is what God has been speaking to me and this is what God has been telling me all week is I am coming back. The Bible says that, okay, you know, whether you want to believe me that he's coming back today or tomorrow, that's not a popular message to preach that his return, and that's fine. You don't have to believe he's coming back today, tomorrow. I'm not preaching he's coming back today, tomorrow. All I'm telling you is he's coming back, and we know that as Christians he's coming back. And so what we know is that as Christians we are called to be the women, that, the ladies that have their lamps lit, that have the oil stashed, that we are ready, that is not like the times of Noah where we are just eating and drinking and being merry, going along. That's what Jesus says. He says in the end, it's going to be like the times of Noah where people are just coming and they're just, they're, they're nonchalantly just going about their lives, living lives. It's normal. It's a normal day. It's a, and, and, the, and the Bible says that in the time, in times, I think Peter says this, that people will scoff. People will scoff and they'll say, man, from the beginning, people have been saying that Jesus is coming back. From the beginning, people have been saying that the return is going to happen. And he had, it has happened once, not once has it happened. That every morning we wake up, we go to sleep. We wake up, we go to sleep. We wake up, we go to sleep. Every morning that happens and not once did Jesus return. Well, duh. It happens only once. That's a dumb, that's a, such a dumb statement, but that's the statement we make is this never happened. So I could just eat, drink and be merry and relax because Jesus ain't coming back any time in my lifetime because my grandpa used to say he was coming back in their lifetime. So I've got some years to go. And I, don't, I you know, I, I. I think, man, we, we need to wake up as a church. And I say this, and, we, and we've been talking about Hebrews. And, and, and I say this, Hebrews has been talking about, these past couple chapters have been talking about this revamping of the, the, of the church, of the, of, the, of the faith, evaluating your faith. It's not some, I said a prayer when I was a kid, I, I do what I do. The, the Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is showing us, man, the, the, the gospel is so much more. It's a life change. It's an awakening. It's a surrendering. It's a walking. And it is, Jesus is everything. And I think that what the Holy Spirit has been trying to convict me of and change me and shake me out of is that we as a church we are become complacent and we have become to where Christianity is just a hobby to us it's a hobby it's not a life change the Bible says that our nature will be changed our nature is going to be changed 
which means that you go from a pig to a human. You go from a dog to a human. Now, the Bible says, in Second Peter, I think it is, it says that, man, a dog is going to eat his throw up. It's going, it's going to eat his vomit. A pig is going to wrestle in the mud. That's what a pig does. And so your nature, if you are a pig, you're going to want pig stuff. You're going to want slop. Like you're going to want the garbage. You're going to want to dig in the mud. If you're not a pig, you don't want that. That's the gospel, is that our nature changes. And yet in America, in modern day Christianity, we preach this message that you can be a Christian and have the same nature as you once did, that your life has not changed, that the nature has not changed. And what I, what I have seen in the, in the Hebrews, I don't know where this is going, y'all, but the, what I see in the book of the Hebrews is that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole message of, look, when you receive the truth of God, your nature changes. You can't be a pig anymore. The, the, the mud's not attractive anymore. And we've got to, what I'm seeing today in the church is a lot of pigs rolling around the mud trying to be clean. Isn't that the gospel message? We're pigs, but Jesus saves us thus by the grace of God. Now try to be clean. Thus by the grace of God, you are a dog and you want your vomit, but by the grace of God, you you can stop eating your vomit. That's the, the gospel message in America. No, the Bible says you're not a dog anymore. You're not a pig anymore. Jesus doesn't have to stop you from eating your your mud, your pig, your slop anymore. He doesn't have to stop you every day. No, don't eat the vomit. Because in you, man, you're like, Jesus, I don't want the vomit. I want you. I I don't want this. My nature's changed. And guys, what we see here this morning, um, I'm I'm trying to draw this. My God, I don't know where you're going with this. I'm going to try to draw back into the verse. Um, Keep going. But I think that I think it applies with what what the Bible is teaching here, because I think it all has to do with trust. And what this whole section of chapter two or six is, is about the trust of of God. It's trusting Jesus being better, trusting Jesus over everything. And so what we see in this section is one of those verses that I think so many people get worried about is talking about, can a believer lose their salvation? Can we walk outside of salvation? And if so, the Bible says it's impossible for you to come back to salvation. So this is one of those verses that we struggle with. Is it possible to lose salvation? But I believe this whole section is rooted in trust. And I don't know about you, but I don't trust nobody. Amen. Amen. I mean, I don't trust the government. Y'all, if you want to meet a conspiracy theorist, your pastor is one of them. I'm not going to lie. Like I am a cons- like I can't do the conspiracy videos. I get down this rabbit trail and this gets sucked down the hole. And before you know it, I'm telling my wife, y'all, the aliens are coming. We need to pack, and we need you know they're they're Area 51. They're gonna let it loose, okay? And and we need to have our stuff in order. Like I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't trust the government. I don't trust media. Every one of them liars. And here's another one. I don't trust any of y'all. Amen. You trust me. Uh, I just have a hard time trusting people. I just, you know, and Jesus even says, and this is something we, we, we've kind of fallen on, on our ears, but Jesus even says, he did, as the Bible says, he, doesn't, he didn't trust himself to anybody because he knew the heart of man. Doesn't mean he didn't love people. 
It didn't mean he didn't, he didn't give to people. He didn't mean he served people. It didn't mean he was in, it wasn't in communion with people. He just didn't entrust himself because he knew we were wicked. And so, but I believe this whole chapter, chapter six, is rooted on something that we have such a hard time with in this trust. And it's one thing if you don't trust me, that's fine. It's one thing if you don't trust the government, that's totally understandable. It's a whole other thing when we don't trust God because our salvation is dependent on it. And this is where everything else is. This is where everything is rooted in. If you, if you do not have a trust for God, then what's going to happen is that you do not trust Jesus as your high priest, the work he has accomplished. You do not trust the accomplishment of all that he has done. And therefore, you do not trust your position in Christ, even when your condition is screaming otherwise. When your condition is screaming that I am a sinner, that I have sin in my life, when your condition is showing that you still have struggle and temptation in your life. The flesh is still calling. When your condition is screaming that if you don't trust your position in Christ, you don't believe you're saved. If you don't trust your position in Christ, you can't walk in confidence and boldness and in victory. You see, this whole section, our whole walk in Christ is about your, your trust in Jesus Christ and his work. And if you do not trust God, if that's the, not the foundation of your, safe, of your, of your faith, then it ain't going to work. So let's look at this trust thing real quick. So what does it say? It says, Hebrews chapter 6, going back to that basic principles, that we were immature, that you're not growing in the fundamentals, the principles of salvation, the foundations of salvation. But then he says this, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the the good work, the word of God, and the powers of this age to come, if they fall away to renew their to renew them again to repentance. Sorry, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame, for the earth shall drink its rain and and often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those whom the, uh, it is cultivated, receives blessings from God, and if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to, and near to be cursed, whose end is to be burned up. Sorry. So basically what is it saying? It's saying that it's, if you reject Christ after coming under salvation or coming under the gospel of God, then you there is no hope for you in repentance. Now, there's three possible solutions that this Mean. There's three interpretations this can be. Now, I'll tell you this. I have wrestled with this verse. I wrestled with it, not just this week. I've, I've, I've gone back and forth on what I believe this verse means throughout my time as a Christian. But I'll tell you what I, I know it doesn't mean. And I say that, I don't say that very strong. I don't say that very often that I know something in Scripture. But I do believe with everything in me because it is the foundation of my belief system in the gospel, that I do not believe this verse is saying that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have been renewed in Jesus Christ, if you have been restored in Jesus Christ, if you have been regenerated through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit signs you and seals you until the day of redemption. If you have been redeemed, I do not believe that this verse is saying that you can somehow unredeem yourself, that this verse is saying that somehow you can actually go from a new nature to the old nature and go backwards. That's not what this verse is saying. Now I say that because the verse every, we have throughout scripture, what we see 
In John, John says this, I assure you, John 5, Jesus says this, I assure you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. First Corinthians, Paul says it this way, in this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait uh, for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You are called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is the Bible saying? The Bible says, and this is throughout scripture. This is in Philippians. This is in Corinthians. This is in Hebrews. This is in Romans. This is in throughout the scriptures. We see this common thread that God, who he who he saves, he who he holds, he keeps. And it's not I will if. It's not you are saved until the day of redemption if. It is you are saved until the day uh, saved until until the day of redemption. You are sealed until the day of redemption. In fact, this is what John says in First John, I think it's chapter two. John talking about these people who have backslid, these people who walked away, right? These people who we would say they they, they left their salvation, right? John says it this way. He says they left, they went away from us. Why? Because they were not of us. So John says, hey, because they backslid. Hey, because they were saved and they left. John says they left because they weren't of us. They weren't really of us. You know, they were a part of the salvation. And so, and then we look at this and say, well, but David, it says that they were partakers of the Holy Spirit. So how can you get around that? It says that they had the Holy Spirit. But the guys, the word in the Greek does not mean they, they were partakers. It means they associated with the Holy Spirit. It means, I mean, let me find the word here. Um, sorry. It means, yeah, they, they, um, they associated, not possessed. They associated with the Holy Spirit. So basically what this author, what the, what the Bible teaches is that you could actually be in the presence in the midst of a congregation and see the Holy Spirit movement, associate with the Holy Spirit movement, and never actually possess the Holy Spirit. And this is very big today. Listen to this. This is big because we live in a culture of, of, of pop culture church, uh, Christian by association church. With these big name churches, you know, you got Hillsong, you got Elevation, you got Bethel, you got uh, all these mega churches, even in the, the communal mega churches, the big churches that you, that your community individually know about. And it's very, I'm not bashing any of these movements, but, but what the danger is, is that we kind of associate Christianity, this guy, idea that if I'm a part of, of Hillsong, if I'm a part of Elevation, if I'm a part of Bethel, if I'm a part of the well, if I'm a part of New Covenant, if I'm a part of Long's Chapel, Faith, whatever you want to say, Pinnacle, if I'm a part of the church and this model of Christianity we have, then that means everything that the Holy Spirit is doing through the church as I'm associating with that, so as if, as it, it's as if I'm doing it. Which there is a truth that when the body moves, we all benefit, right? When the body's blessed, we all benefit. If the hand's blessed, I'm blessed. If you guys, my toe hurts, I'm hurt. There's a beauty of that, but there's a danger also in that, that you can't associate with the fellowship of believers and the movement of the Holy Spirit and think that you actually possess the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that that's going to happen. 
You could be in the fellowship of believers. You could hear the gospel. You can associate with the power and the presence of the spirit working through the church and then yet not have salvation. So I do not believe this is talking about genuine believers following, following uh, away from faith. The second option is it's a um, hypothetical could be. I mean, it could be hypothetically, like the author's like, you can't, but if you could, it would be impossible to go back. But you can't, and, and then there's ways, there's reasons why you could use hypotheticals to get the point across. Like, I think it was, was Spurgeon um, says that Spurgeon talked about how it, it was used, it could be used to almost show the magnitude and the graces of God. Like, if you are in Christ, hypothetically, you can never leave him. But that's the beauty of the, the grace of God is that he holds you. And then also, but if you could, the intensity of walking away from Jesus, that you can never come back to him. So the hypothetical could work. Here's what I believe. I believe this is a, these are people who are participating in the faith, walking in the faith, not walking in the faith, but walking in the church, walking under grace, hear the gospel. We've talked about this. I feel like a broken record the last three weeks. And yet they, they have not fully committed to Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and what we got to remember, these are the Jews who, who fully walked away from the temple, the sacrifices, the offerings. They walked away from everything and they found it all in Jesus. They need, Jesus needs to be their high priest. He needs to be their sacrifices, their temple, their, 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 um, their uh, apostle, everything. Jesus has to fulfill it. So these, the, these Jews left all of this, all of the old method, the old covenant, and they found it in Jesus. But there was these Jews that are like, man, I don't know. Like, I know he's supposed to be my high priest. I know he's supposed to be everything, but I don't know if I trust Jesus enough to actually satisfy all that role. And so what they did is they experienced the power of the spirit. They heard the gospel. They found everything that Jesus had to offer. And they still said, I don't know. I want the old way back. I want, I want the temple. I want my high priest. I want my sacrifice. And they sat under Jesus and they went back to the old covenant. And the author says it's impossible for them to be restored. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's not impossible. The word translates, it's hard, it's difficult. Guys, the Bible says impossible. And here's the funny thing. In the Greek, guess what it means? It's impossible. It's, it's, I know. It's strange. Um, it means impossible. It's impossible for them to return into, into repentance. But here's why. This is, this is what, what it's talking about. If you can sit under the, the teaching of Jesus and find all that Jesus has done for you, you have found that Jesus is your high priest, that he is the savior, he is your sacrifice, he is it all, and then still say, uh-uh, I don't trust Jesus. I'm going back to the old method. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to, I find strength and hope and salvation in this over Jesus. You are in essence, you are right there with the Pharisees who stood with Jesus and Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. And the Pharisees said, no, you are a blasphemer. You, I don't trust you. I put my faith in the high priest and in my system you are a blasphemer I and then they what did they yell crucify him 
And so what the author is saying is that if you are going to stand before God, understand all Jesus has done, hear the message of Jesus, witness the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a big one because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, you can blaspheme me all day, but you cannot blaspheme in the name of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is affirmation of the message of Jesus. And so when you see the Holy Spirit moving, the power of the Spirit, and still walk away, you are in essence saying, Jesus is a blasphemer crucify him but but here's the truth what else could God do for you like like that's really what it boils down to is what else can God do for you like he he gave you his son he gave you his gospel he gave you his message he gave you his truth he gave you his holy spirit to affirm this message and you saw the power of it he's done everything he even gave you this church i mean we're messed up we're jacked up but you can still see god in here he gave you the blessing of the church to see on this world he gave you the light of the, of this world he gave it all to you and you still say no i don't want it yeah i'm not going to find salvation in jesus that's, you are standing right there yelling, crucify him. Yelling, crucify him. So it's about, I really believe this message is not talking to two believers who can lose their salvation. He's talking to believers or people in the church who never had it. They left us because they were not of us. And if you are able to hear and see all that these believers saw and hear, heard and then walk away, there's really nothing else that God can do for you. You're standing with the, the, the crowd yelling, crucify him. Now, but here's the thing that I want to talk about. I got nothing else on my sermon. I, I really wasn't that. This is what I want to talk about. I, I think the rest of this section in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6 is talking about trusting in God and God affirming his trust. He says, look, he, he, he speaks, it's truth, right? God cannot lie. He doesn't have a lie in him. You see, when we speak truth, it's because we want to be truthful. God speaks, when God speaks, it's not because he wants to speak truth. It's because he is truth, right? Like God's not bound to, God cannot speak a lie. So when God speaks, he doesn't speak truth because he's bound to something. He speaks and it's true. Which means that when he promised to Abraham there was going to come a seed, when he promised to Abraham that he was going to be blessed, all of the speaking, that's what he's trying to, that's what the author's trying to show us is that we can trust in Jesus. We can trust in God. He is faithful. He's true. We can find our hope in the great uh, high priest of Jesus Christ. But this is what I wanted to say because I feel like I'm praying we're going to move past this idea that I'm, I feel like I'm beating you guys. You're not really saved. Figure it out. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm this constantly. We need to check our salvation. And that's not me. That's not the kind of pastor I, I, I am. But I feel like the Bible says it, so I'm going to preach it. And I feel like we are off a lot of times. But I feel like we've been bashing that down. And so I, I, I'm getting this common thread of people questioning their salvation, which is not a bad thing. Hear me. That's not a bad thing. The Bible says make sure your calling and election is sure. Constantly evaluating your fruit. If you've been a Christian for 10 years and you have no fruit of the Spirit, it's time to question. So it's not a bad thing to question, but, I, but the Bible does not want us to walk in fear and questioning constantly. And this is what the author is showing us is that man, we can trust in the word of God. And so what I wanted to make sure that we are affirmed in this morning is that if you are saved in Jesus Christ, 
You have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, have seen the movement of the Spirit in your life. I do not, the Bible does not want you to walk constantly in fear, worried whether or not you're going to sin out of salvation. It doesn't want you walking in fear and insecurities of whether or not you were actually even saved. Now, once again, fruit inspector, check your fruit. But I'm talking to some of y'all, and you, I know I've seen the evidence. Now, I'm not going to affirm nobody in their salvation because that's not my job. Because I'm not going to pick a weed, and I'm not going to plant I'm not. My job is to preach the gospel and let the Holy Spirit affirm you. Because Paul says, I can't even affirm myself because I don't even know what's going on in here. Only God can do that. So I'm not going to affirm you, and I'm not going to tell you that none of y'all are not saved. But what I am going to say is that the Bible doesn't want us to be walking around worrying if I'm, am I saved because I was tempted here, or I sinned here. I did an illustration a long time ago. It was when Chance was here. Y'all remember Chance? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chance, I love Chance. He was our worship leader at the time, but he, he I, I had a pillar. I had like a little balance beam and I had Chance stand on the balance beam and I gave him a, a, a wiffle ball or ball and I gave a bunch of people in the congregation balls and I told Chance that if he falls off this beam, he's going to get hit in the face with the pie. But if he stays on the beam, then he actually gets 10 bucks. Okay? He gets one ball, everybody else gets balls, and they get to throw it dodgeball style at him. Now, he can do one or two. He doesn't have to throw the ball. He's got a weapon, he could, but he could hold fast to that ball and just try to stay on the beam so he doesn't fall. It's up to him. He could do whatever he wants. As long as he stays on the beam, now, it would be dumb for him to try to fight back and throw the ball because he's going to get off balance. And, and then Sam went all nunchucks on him like Karate Kid and crow hopped the ball this thing hit him straight in the forehead i felt so bad like i i I have thrown darts at people i have hit golf balls at people i have never felt so bad and it's chance and i love chance and so i felt you know i've thrown a dart at chance but sam i was like man i felt so bad like his face was red and i had to throw a pie in his face so it was just one of those moments but the whole point was the one of those moments we we all have them right <laughs> y'all don't it was well, the point was most Christians, we walk on this balance beam where we have everything we need for life and godliness. We have all the weapon, the full armor of God. We have it all. We're equipped, but we're standing on this teeter-tottering while the enemy's throwing arrows, throwing balls at us. And we've got the weapons to fight back while the world is trying to attack us. But we are so scared of falling off of the balance beam to fall away from salvation. If I move any inch, if I throw it, if I fight, I'm gonna, if I, I'm gonna get tempted here. I'm gonna get, this is gonna pull me away. I'm gonna, if this temptation, so I just need to focus. I need to keep my eyes and not tempt. Don't get stung. Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Don't stumble. Don't stumble, don't stumble, don't stumble. Uh, and it's just this focus of stay on the balance beam. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. And then when we do, man, I'm worthless. I'm not saved. Jesus, Jesus, how can Jesus love me? How can the, how can Jesus be the high priest? How can he really save me? How, I mean, yeah, Jesus is strong, but I'm too wicked for this. Jesus is powerful. Yeah, yeah, he was the forerunner, as the Bible says in Hebrews 6. It says he was the forerunner that went to heaven as the our great high priest that stands before God. And he now makes, a, he actually prays and petitions on our behalf that he actually is our high priest before God on our behalf. Yeah, he does that for the world. He just can't do it for me. You see where trust starts to take place here? 
You see where we start start trusting in the the work of Jesus Christ as our high priest? You see, the Bible was never, I want you to make sure you don't fall, was that in Christ, now your feet are planted firm. Look, you're going to sin. That's not an excuse. That is not a a, a way, a cop-out. That's not a sin-free token that you get every week, okay? You're going to do it, though. We're going to be tempted. We have our flesh. It is going to pull us. Now, we don't don't give opportunity for our flesh to sin. We don't allow it to sin, but it's going to happen. Now, here, when it does happen, we have a great high priest who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. We have a great high priest who has gone before us and now stands next to the Father as, I, as our high priest who solidifies you, clothes you, washes you clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not, it's not dependent on you. That's the beautiful thing. You see, if you think that you've got to be good enough, then you don't trust in your great high priest. If you think you've got to be good enough, then you don't trust in the work of Jesus. We, we're back at square one. We're at the fundamental principles of salvation. If you think that Jesus isn't powerful enough to save you, we got to move past the fundamentals. And a part of that is boldness and confidence in what Christ has done. You see, we're not going to be a church of power and authority. You know, we could do it here. You know, there are many churches that, that, that on Sunday morning we try to, conjure up the power of the Holy Spirit and let's get excited and let's make some Holy Spirit stuff happen, you know? Let's chew on rugs and dance and, and, and spit all kinds of things, you know? We could do it. Churches do it. But the same people that are speaking in tongues and doing crazy stuff on Sunday morning, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues is crazy stuff, but I'm saying the same people that are speaking in tongues on Sunday morning are not doing it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's because we don't have boldness in what Christ has done for us. It's because we're not walking in the power and authority of Jesus. Throughout the week, we're just trying to stay afloat. And somehow we get weird supernatural boldness when we get together and we just encourage each other. And that's crazy. That's great. Awesome. But Jesus wants us to walk in full confidence and boldness out there. Preaching the gospel. Talking to people. Loving on people. You're saved. Move past it. Some of you guys need to hear that. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Is he he your Lord and Savior? Is he your great high priest? Has he accomplished the work of salvation for you, not by your your works or anything you've done? You're saved. Move past it. Mature in that. Grow in that. We don't move past it in the sense that we don't leave that platform. That's our foundation. But now let's move forward in boldness. Let's move forward in confidence. Stop sitting back at the foundation, the fundamentals of salvation. That's all I got. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.